You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 103. Today, I'm sitting down with ballerina Deanna Sorokova, and we're talking all about a ballerina's journey with strength. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you so much for pushing play on another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm super excited to dive into today's episode with Deanna Sorokova, and we're going to be talking all about her journey as a ballerina with strength and why it's so important and how she helps dancers now. But before we get started, just a quick reminder, the doors are closing for the PT Profit Formula. This will be the last time the program will be offered in 2021. So now is the time to sign up. It is a 12-week step-by-step process designed to take you by the hand and build a profitable health and wellness business. It is literally a coaching program designed to teach and give you the custom experience as well as the community of like-minded professionals going through the same experience as you so that you can build your audiences together faster, dial in a profitable product, that your clients actually want and are dying to buy from you and help you put together an ethical, persuasive content experience to carry your people through a content process that will attract, connect, and convert them. So grab your spot. This is the last time I'll be offering it in 2021. And it's the perfect time to optimize your business now, get set up for the fall to test so that you are more than ready when the new year, new you resolutions come into play. So click the link in the show notes and I'll see you inside. So today I'm sitting down with Deanna. So Deanna is originally from Slovakia where she started her ballet studies and career. She started dancing when she was seven years old. And by the age of 17, she joined a professional ballet company in Slovakia where she danced in ballets that they had in repertoire plus some musicals and operas. She left for college in the U- to the UK where she studied at Royal Conservatory. Her dance journey expanded to contemporary dance when she joined the premier contemporary dance company in Mexico, which took her on performance tours around Europe, Mexico, and the USA. She spent time dancing in New York for almost five years as a freelance dancer, experiencing different companies, participating in live events, photo and video projects, and found her passion in fitness, which led her to become a personal trainer, which we go deep inside of this episode. 
her experience as a trainer and as a dancer has led her to create a very specific training style, the Ballerina Strong. She's now launched her own Be Strong app, and she helps her clients become stronger, flexible, and more energized and feel elegant. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. What's up, Deanna? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? Hi, Beverly. I am very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm super excited. I'm pumped to be here. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Can you share with us a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there? All right. So I am born and raised in Slovakia, but at the moment I live in Miami. (laughs) Okay. Wow. That's story on its own which I'll ask you later but keep going (laughs) okay (laughs) so yeah I started dancing I do ballet Mm -hmm. that's my main thing and then I do personal training as well Mm -hmm. so but I started dancing back in Slovakia when I was seven years old and then I that was the only thing I ever wanted to do so I kept studying it by age of 17 I joined professional ballet company in my country And then just from there, I guess I went to Scotland. I went to the college, to Royal Conservatoire for dance. And then from there, (laughs) I kept going. I went to Mexico where I danced with Contemporary Dance Company. After that, I moved to New York and I stayed there for the longest for almost five years. Mm. And after that, I'm here in Miami now. Okay. Wow. So are you still dancing? Well, I was until the Corona hits and now I still dance. I take classes, but I don't perform at the moment. Hopefully I will again soon. We'll see. So you're hoping to go. So you're hoping to continue your fitness journey or your, your, your journey as a trainer, as well as perform. Correct. Yes. So tell me a little bit about who you serve. So as a former dancer, I'm assuming that you serve dancers. Is that true? Well, (laughs) it's going to be half and half. Okay. So um, while I was in New York, that's when I became personal trainer. And I started training just about anybody. Mm -hmm. But um, the most rewarding for me it was to see how people who are not dancers can actually build the body type of a dancer. Regardless if, it, if they can or cannot dance, they could still build that physique, the posture, the core strength, this long, very slim muscle, looking very elegant, very graceful. And that was really amazing to see how even regular training in very specific way can create the same as dancing for your whole life <laughs> pretty much <laughs> i see i see okay so how did you what brought you to personal training hmm. it's a good question i think i just wanted to do something outside of dance mm-hmm. and also while i was still dancing in mexico because the company was contemporary dance company and I was used to doing ballet. So for me, that was a big switch, big change, because you suddenly use different muscle groups. Everything is suddenly grounded. You have to be lower. You're really using totally different muscles than you would do in ballet. 
and I felt very weak to start with. So I had to get stronger. I had to go to the gym, get on a strength training program, not just Pilates or whatever else, which is really good too. But I had to complement that with something else. Hmm. And when I saw the changes on me, uh, <laughs> it was a big shock, like how I could improve doing something like this. Mm-hmm. And that's how I decided to become a trainer as well. I love that. So now I'm curious because as a former, when I say former performer, I'm almost like studying to be like a musical theater, right? I'm in New York. So, um, you know, I feel like some of the common fears that a lot of dancers and ballet specifically get into are like, I don't want to be bulky and I'm Mm. scared to strength train. So I'm curious, like, how did, did you have those fears? How did you overcome them? And how do you combat them for your clients? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did have those fears mm-hmm. and for the longest I would not I would not want to do squats because <laughs> like I don't want to have a big bed I cannot look like that you know <laughs> but as I learned more as I studied and kind of experimented on myself in a way <laughs> I realized that it's not going to happen Mm -hmm. and that's how I also tell my clients that it is really not possible for women to get bulky just because our body is not built that way and if somebody really wants to they really have to adjust their diet take supplements and I'm not big fan of those Mm -hmm. so for me and my clients this is almost impossible to happen do you get that fear a lot with your clients? Yeah, from beginning they do, yeah. Do you work with a lot of um, other professional ballet dancers as well? I do. Okay, yeah. so I love to hear like, what are some of the common, what are some of the common challenges that you're facing when you work with ballet dancers different, that's different than, you know, say the general population? Mm-hmm. Well, dancers are very, very specific in everything. So when I explain, I really have to go to a super detail on everything, (laughs) which is a good thing because most people don't care about how their feet are positioned or if they're looking straight or to the side. (laughs) But dancers are super specific. So when I explain, I have to show it and really pick on everything they do. But I wouldn't say that's a challenge. That's actually a fun part. <laughs> the challenge is, I guess, just to get them more comfortable lifting heavier weights mm-hmm. because they probably have the most fear of getting bigger. And that's it, not even bigger or more muscular. We don't want to get heavier. And as we know, muscle does weight. So if you put a lot of muscle on, you are going to weight more, even though you look slimmer. So that's one thing to consider, which is actually easy to train. It's just the mental thing to get over it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the biggest issue. So what are some of the mental components that, what are some of the things you do to help them with their mental, you know, overcome these mental barriers? Hmm. I guess just, just help them to trust me at some point (laughs) Mm -hmm. to get to know me see how I looked before, where I came from, how I improved, see my other clients, how they improve, 
and mm-hmm. just build on that see on themselves how they're progressing and how we track everything and just that that's all <laughs> Hmm, okay. So I'd love for you to share, talk a little bit about, you know, a dancer's experience. Now, oftentimes I feel like a lot of dancers deal with hypermobility and being mm-hmm. really flexible. Has that, how has that impacted their strength training? And that's a very good one because that is actually my own issue. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's say in ballet world, we kind of divide dancers, not really, but kind of divide dancers into Allegro or Adash dancers and Allegro dancers are the ones that have more fast twitch muscles or the ones that are faster, stronger, less flexible. They usually turn better and jump higher, but they have problem with lines and flexibility and all of that. And then the Adash or Adagio dancers, they're the exact opposite. And I would be one of those that are hyper flexible, hypermobile, usually a little bit sl- slower in moving, but their their lines are much more prettier, longer. And it's the exact opposite. <laughs> so as a trainer, I get to work with both of them. Mm-hmm. When with stronger dancers, I guess it's easier, but it takes a longer for them to become more flexible. Mm-hmm. With the dancers that are more flexible, it, it takes much less time to become stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, they will not lose their flexibility. So that is a nice thing to train them um, because they can see their results much faster. Mm-hmm. But I have to be super, 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 super careful <laughs> when we lift mm-hmm. because I, for myself, when I started, I couldn't feel... I literally couldn't feel when my knee was fully extended and it was, it would just get totally out of place, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like doing squats. If I had a lot of weight, when Mm -hmm. I would come up to standing, I would tend to overextend my knees Mm -hmm. and I would think, okay, they're straight. I wouldn't feel they're overextended, but then whoever my trainer was, he would get scared (laughs) looking at me, (laughs) telling me, you cannot do that. You just cannot, you're going to hurt yourself. And I couldn't understand that for a long time (laughs) until I saw, I actually had to see myself. (laughs) And so that is what I tell my clients when they can't feel it, I have to record them, show them, and then really explain to detail that if you are in this position, it feels like you're okay for you, but you can hurt yourself there. So then it's kind of more of a mind cue, always think like you're going only three quarter way, not the full way, mm. I guess. I love it. Now, just out of curiosity, <laughs> now, when you t- break down those two types of dancers, and I know that it's not specific, but I'm just curious, do, do, do all dancers know this and do they tend to know which one they, which category they're in? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah. great. Now, when you are, you know, auditioning or you are working to try and book a dance company role, are you trying to become a well, um, uh, are you trying to become proficient in both types or do people tend to be like, no, no, I'm the, the fast dancer versus the, the long lines. Are they trying Mm -hmm. to be an expert in both or are they trying to niche down? Now I'm using my language. I know I'm not using. (laughs) so hopefully 
Okay, so yes, ideally you want to be as versatile as you can. Mm -hmm. Obviously each company is a little different. So when you audition, you try to fill them out before, see their performances, maybe take some open classes if they do have them to see if you would be a good fit, if you like their repertoire and their style. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of feel if you would be a good fit, if you would want to go there and you audition, but regardless of their style, you still want to be able to do both. You want to be fast, you want to jump high, you want to turn as many turns as you can. Mm -hmm. You want to be as flexible as you can. And yeah, ideally you want to do all of it, but everybody knows their strengths. So they try to push more towards that way. <laughs> So the reason why I'm asking that is because, do, you know, if I, you know, as a dancer and if I was a dancer and I'm looking to build strength and mm -hmm. I know what my strengths are, am I going to train my strengths or are you going to encourage them to train their weaknesses and specifically for their strength training program, not their skill acquisition, but like for their strength training program? Mm-hmm. For strength training, definitely, I would focus more on their weaknesses. I would not forget about what they're good in. I would still include them in the training, mainly for their mental <laughs> health, <laughs> so they wouldn't feel overwhelmed and they would actually enjoy the training. But I wouldn't focus on that. I would have it as a last exercise in the superset or last part at the end of the workout. But the main focus definitely would be on their weaknesses, whatever that is. Mm. Do you think that, I mean, have you noticed or ever felt like this, that type of training has impacted their skill? Oh yeah, definitely. For the good. So it's- Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, good. Um, so, you know, so what are some of the differences in the way that you approach your training for- for these two types of dancers mm -hmm. okay so the base of training would be more or less the same but would would focus on whatever their weakness is but i would cue the same kind of exercise differently so if somebody is tighter for them i would definitely go using full range of motion adding extra things here and there to try to elongate even more and if somebody is hypermobile, hyperflexible, I would try to cue them going only three quarter of the way, or maybe in some points shorten the distance of the motion, range of motion, mm -hmm. maybe do only half movement here, half movement in this distance, just to really build the strength in the parts that they feel the weakest in. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So same base, but different cues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now for a trainer who's potentially working with a performer, what are some of the things that you've noticed or that you would recommend a trainer or coach look at when they are coaching a performer or a, dan a dancer? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would treat them as any other athlete, making sure that they're not going to hurt themselves. <laughs> They're not going to overexert themselves because this is only to help them be a better performer. This is not the performance itself. 
So my focus wouldn't be like, this is the whole thing they're doing. This would be only complementary thing to their performing performance. Mm -hmm. So I would really, <clears throat> I guess just really kind of try to, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, okay. Um, so if you, you know, and I really, I'm glad that you're bringing this up with the word athlete, because I really don't feel like a lot of dancers consider themselves or recognize that they actually are an athlete. And so mm -hmm. athletes really train specifically, and I've never trained athletes, so this is so what I've heard, is that they have like an off season or and an on season, right? So how do dancers who are constantly, you know, in shows eight times a week, when's their off season? <laughs> that's a good question yes so I guess it really depends on the company you are with because many companies they do have their own and off seasons but our seasons tend to be much longer but it really depends from company to company like companies in Europe your season is pretty much from September all the way till June. So your whole year besides summer is your season. There can be a little break here and there, but it's just like one or two weeks off, that's it. <laughs> um, while, for example, when I was in New York, the season will be much shorter. There'll be only three months, then you're off for a month. And then again, three months and then you're off. And then obviously when you're a trainer and training dancer, for the performance or to improve and whatever they need, you have to consider that. And that would actually be to what I was trying to explain before. <laughs> you have to consider in what part of the season they are. Because if they are in the season, you have to be, um, your training has to be much less intense than when you're off season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you make it less intense? Like what are some of the, what are some of the modifications you make for an in-season dancer? Mm -hmm. So in this case, you really focus only on what they need to. You're not going to go hundred percent in, in every exercise. You're not going to lift as heavy. You're not going to do as many repetitions. You really want to make it less just for them to be able to stay active, to stay strong, but not to tire them too much. Mm. Because our rehearsals tend to be every day for almost all day, <laughs> you know, and then imagine before or after you have to go to the gym or vice versa, go to the rehearsal. You cannot spend an hour in the gym, 100% focus on what you're doing. <laughs> you, know, you can do it off season and you should, that works well. But if you are really training for eight hours a day and at the end of that, you go to the gym, it has to really complement one specific thing they need to work on. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So typically just in your experience, what are, what are the majority, like what are some of the things that you do, you consistently see dancers needing to work on in their on season? Mm. I guess, well, it will depend. Either it's keeping the flexibility in or keeping the strength. It's one of the two. Because endurance is usually not a problem. Cardio is not a problem. 
it's either strength for me it would be strength <laughs> because after all day standing on the leg on my legs I would be very tired but I would feel extremely weak in my hips even though I'm standing up the whole day so for me just go to the gym and do literally only 10 sets of squats would make all the difference mm. but then there's many dancers who would feel the opposite way who would feel very tight so mm. for them it's better to try to elongate stretch roll massage all of that for you to speak a little bit on your you know the recover the recovery process that you tend to see a lot of dancers go through okay recovery so yeah i think it still depends on the same aspect mm-hmm. but definitely usually we do get one day off a week it again depends on the company and time of the season mm-hmm. <clears throat> So if you are in like, a, like in Europe, when I was in a company, when we trained every day, Monday to Saturday, Sunday would be considered as an off day. So we wouldn't have a company class, but very often there would be a show. And if that would happen that there is a show on Sunday, usually in the morning, then your Monday morning would be, would start later, or we would just cut the class and go straight to either rehearsal or show. (laughs) So sometimes you get your day off. Sometimes you actually don't get a day off. It really depends. They try to give you that time to recover. But yeah, usually you just have to do it yourself on your own time. (laughs) So whenever you have a time, you try to stretch, you try to roll, get a massage, Mm -hmm. ice if you need to do whatever you need. When I was in New York, for example, I had way more time to recover. Mm-hmm. My rehearsals were shorter and less um, less intense, fewer days in a week as well. So I could focus more on training, strength training, and then on recovery too. And in those cases, I would just do nothing all day. <laughs> if I could, I wouldn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, what are some of the um, biggest, what are some of the biggest questions or concerns that performers, dancers come to you with that they're dealing with that lead them to you? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the number one reason why they come to me in the first place is because they want to get stronger. They want to learn how to strength train without getting big, bulky, or heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they want to lose weight. Lose so, weight. Really. Lose you weight. that want to lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In ballet world, you're yeah. always expected to be very slim and strong at the same time. So that's, I think that's the biggest issue because it is very tiring and you have long days. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, fuel yourself to be able to perform, not to get injured and get weak and, you know, any of that. And so how to find that balance, how to stay super slim and strong and focused <laughs> all three together all the time. Like that, that's like all the time. It's all the time. I mean, that must be a high stress. Like when do you ever get to de-stress? Like what does de-stress look like? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so <laughs> that, that 
that is a tough one. <laughs> components. Do you deal? Okay. So do you deal with the mental aspect and do you deal with like the nutrition components? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do- so the mental aspect, I think is the hardest one in dance. Definitely. Because you are expected to be hundred percent of yourself all the time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. literally literally all the time and so you get pressure from your teachers from the choreographers everybody always expects you to be there 100 <laughs> percent and so you cannot get tired you cannot you cannot just face out for a moment because you will lose something you will not notice a move and many times teachers they don't explain too much they just say what we're doing you know just or sometimes they just show with their hands (laughs) literally and they expect you to already know what is going on and remember it for for next time as well same with choreographers so yeah and nothing is ever good enough Mm -hmm. so now that they just expect you to be 100% and do everything they ask and remember it nothing is ever good enough so when you do it they're like no (laughs) because I show something else because I want it to be better I want it to be this way I want you to look this way while your finger is pointing this way (laughs) you know Uh, I mean the mental resilience that it must take must be unreal (laughs) yes yes oh my god you have to really really love it to do it hmm yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful in a way it's rewarding mm, yeah I feel like you know you see most of the dancer movies where you have most people dealing with body dysmorphia mm-hmm. that they're dealing with like I need to be thinner but they are you know a rail yes yes true in eastern world it's 100 percent true mm. in western it, they're trying to promote healthy look rather than super slim look mm-hmm. but it still really depends <laughs> depends for sure okay yeah. so you mentioned that you do you do talk about nutrition with your clients right how do yes. you build like how how do you help your clients fuel that strong look athletic lean look like how do you like what are some of the big rock components that you're talking to your dancers with mm-hmm. so most dancers luckily they their diet is really good mm-hmm. it's very rare that i see dancer that they don't know how to eat what to eat or when to eat <laughs> which i'm really happy about but i think the main issue i think the main problem is that Dancers don't want to eat carbs for obvious reasons, but that is a big problem because then don't, they don't have enough energy to dance, perform. So this is one thing that <laughs> it's hard for me to explain to dancer. You have to have your carbs. You have to weigh way more than you actually do. And you have to add protein. Um, protein is not really a problem for them to accept they have to have more. Mm-hmm. But I think they just struggle to know where to find it mm-hmm. or how much to get. So in these cases, I really have to help them to find good sources that work for them and just 
kind of force them to <laughs> get enough grams of protein a day to be able to get that toned, you know, muscular look in a way, mm -hmm. and then force them literally to have more carbs. <laughs> when you From say, beginning, they don't want to. <laughs> yeah. So when you say carbs, can you be specific? Like, are you talking like grains or are you talking like veggies? Like, will they not even eat veggies? They will eat veggies. Mm -hmm. They will be medium on gra grains, fruits. They will have fruit, but there's they usually not everybody. Usually, there will be one banana a day. That's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No. So, sure. That's not enough. <laughs> Yeah. So, but then I'm also curious because what athletes do, and I know that dancers are do this as well. And I feel like this has got to be a mental shift for them is that we're used to pressing the boundaries of, of performance, meaning that we will go <laughs> past what like, we will push ourselves. Like I just need one, you know, one more fuerte, one more day class. I can do right and they will push themselves beyond the limits of when the body is like we don't have enough energy stop right mm -hmm. so i'm curious like how do you help your dancers really tap into listening to their responses of like no we need more food no we need to rest or no like how do you help them mm -hmm. navigate that when to push and when to rest yes that is a tough one because um well, because our teachers, choreographers, trainers, ballet masters, they themselves will push you and you cannot say no, <laughs> you know, so, and they are really usually the ones that will say, you have to do more, more fuetes, repeat, repeat, hundred more times, repeat, even if you get it right, still repeat, just in case it was an accident. <laughs> so it is hard for us to to be able to not go and not push ourselves too much because they just expect us to do it mm -hmm. so when you're in the class you literally you have to do it in a way because otherwise they will not cast you in the role they will not like you they will throw you out of the studio <laughs> which has happened to me <laughs> so <laughs> but Outside of that, mm -hmm. most of the dancers, they know they have to rest. Some are going to be a little obsessed and try to push even more. Mm -hmm. And that's usually when injuries happen. Mm -hmm. So when I see somebody is really into it, I, I really, really try to talk them into just relaxing or doing something that supplements the movement, but not really doing that exact movement. Mm -hmm. So I see. Yeah, that must be hard yes <laughs> do, you, do you feel at all or notice like a shift in the industry at all or do you think it still has it's you know hardcore like work until your eyeballs bleed <laughs> well you know do you feel like moving towards more of like holistic health or do you feel like it's still like always pressing the limits it is it definitely is shifting Mm. yeah because yeah, i gotta feel like there's got to be dance masters out there that are rigid but <laughs> not at <laughs> costs yes it is shifting 
-hmm. a lot, a lot. Um, I think, as I said before, in Eastern world, like in Slovakia or going even to Russia, they're still super strict. Mm -hmm. But here, when I was in New York or here, they're way more looser on you, I would say. Mm -hmm. They try to understand your human side, not just the machine being ballerina side. <laughs> so they do, they do kind of try to promote you to go out and have fun and take it easy at times, but they still do expect you to perform. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you all have also talked about that you work with people who might not necessarily be dancers, but they want to work out like a dancer, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And you also said that your dancers are the ones that you don't have to deal with nutrition stuff. So it's your gen pop people that you got to talk to about their nutrition. Is that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So I love to hear like, what are some of the conversations that you're having with your clients around uh, nutrition, the ones that struggle? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> usually um, people come to me <laughs> they usually come to me saying they read somewhere that keto is good or paleo or any any kind of diet with a name <laughs> may help them achieve what they need to and <laughs> it's quite fun explaining them this is not exactly how this works <laughs> and it takes a moment for them to understand it Mm -hmm. um because i remember the last there was one client the last one i have to i had to really talk about she came to me saying she's losing a lot of weight uh, because she started doing keto keto diets I'm like okay great well as long as it's working for you go for it mm -hmm. <laughs> but then in a month later she's complaining i'm not losing any weight I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like I'm improving. So then I started talking to her a little bit more into detail. So tell me what your keto actually looks like. What are the rules? <laughs> what is it that you're following? And then pretty much she did not have any restriction in calories whatsoever. She mm. could eat as much as she wanted as long as she didn't have more grams of carbs as whatever was prescribed which did not make any sense because if she gets more calories in than when she that what she burns she's not going to lose weight she's not going to see any improvement mm -hmm. so i tried to really explain that to her we had a little argument <laughs> because whatever she was using as a reference was saying that it doesn't matter how many calories as long as you don't have those carbs mm -hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> at some point i did persuade her to just give it a try for a month if it doesn't work go back to what you did before and then she realized that i may have been right <laughs> she did a lot lose over 13 pounds in a month mm -hmm. which is a lot i would say it's a little too much for a month <laughs> yeah. but good for her she mm -hmm. was she's able to keep it down she's keep 
she's improving and she's really happy now. Yeah. I think at the beginning before the keto, she thought it would, it would work for her. Mm-hmm. And that's many people think it works because if you don't get enough carbs, a lot of water will come out of your body. Mm-hmm. But your fat percentage and your weight really stays the same. So when they get the water back, they're back where they were. <laughs> so seeing that she was actually in calorie deficit, mm-hmm. doesn't matter where the calories really come from, then she can see the difference. Yeah, I think people forget that, myself included. Yeah. You can, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's your calories matter. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to count them, but you they still matter. Yes, yes. And you can overeat. Uh, you eat a container of hummus. That's a lot of hummus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I know people don't like to count calories. And I don't think they should really count every single calorie they do have. But they should have kind of a picture knowing more or less where they stand. Mm-hmm. Are they in 1215? 2000 kind of calorie range they don't have to be exact it can be 13 14 but they should know more or less where they stand in mm-hmm. and that will help them a lot yeah well that's the other thing so many you know mm-hmm. if you're training you cannot be eating 1200 calories and dancers no, cannot be no. eating 100 calories and i bet but i don't know who invented that <laughs> that's how much my three my three-year-old my two-year-old eats 1200 calories and that's right Eight hundred, you know, they're training eight hours a day and working out, eating twelve hundred calories. Like, I'm sorry, you're not gonna. Yep. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's (laughs) gonna happen. Something's gonna break down. Something's gonna give. Yes. Yeah. Hard. It's hard. Uh, It's definitely a hard thing to navigate. So, what brought you to Miami? How long are you gonna be in Miami? I needed a change. I loved being in New York, but one day I woke up, literally, oh. and I felt, okay, it's time for change. And you just... So I came here. Oh yeah, God. pretty much. I just decided to move. I didn't really have a work. I didn't have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it all worked out. So good. You've been in Miami. Say again? How long have you been in Miami? almost two years now do you like it i'm gonna stay i do like it i want to stay for now i don't know for how long but for now yes okay so tell us a little bit about your app so what is the app that you have created right so i call it be strong app it's just shorter for ballerina strong Mm -hmm. ballerina strong is um it's kind of my training technique, the way I <laughs> train myself and my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just put it recently, it's just a, over a month now that I started the app. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and for now, I have the app divided into daily workouts, mm-hmm. which is pretty much for every day, there's a fresh workout for people to do. Mm-hmm. For now, they are all home-based or respectively, they can do it anywhere. They can do it home and gym. They can take it outside if they want to. The idea is that they don't need a lot of equipment. It's mostly mind-body training. Mm -hmm. Um, So every day they get fresh new workout, five days a week. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
and I add mini challenges every second week. So every when the mini challenge happens, we focus on there's a full workout, but we still focus on something extra that we repeat every day in that week. So that is a lot of fun. <clears throat> Last challenge I did was for scissors, but they're straddle scissors. So it's almost like you're laying on your back and trying to do a split <laughs> with your legs. <laughs> so people really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next part in the, in the app, I have 28 day ballerina series. And this one is more for people who feel like they really need a full plan to follow. Like from beginning till the end, they need to know exactly what to do every day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that is there. Mm -hmm. And there are three right now. And each one focuses on something else. So one is focusing on on waist. So it's mainly core work. The second one is for legs. And the last one was for posture. So a lot of back, upper body, and again, core work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I have also nutrition parts in the app, which is pretty much all sorts of recipes for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, for everybody, regardless if you like keto, (laughs) if you're a vegan, vegetarian, or you eat anything, there's something for everybody. And then I also added a lot of, extra healthy tips how to portion your foods and all of that i have some calculators there just because many people like numbers they like to track and calculate things (laughs) so i do have that over there too that's cool love that all right well i want to be mindful of your time so for those of you who want to learn more about you or learn more about your ballerina method and what it is that you do where can i send them Mm -hmm. All right. So you can send them to my website, which is pretty much my name, dianasorokova.com, or to my app, which you find on my website. It will show there right there. Or my Instagram, where I share every day some exercise tips, exercise videos, or just share my ideas on healthy living, nutrition, something from ballet world. Um, <laughs> And I'll be sure to link all of that up in the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.